On second and ten, going for the deep ball, and it is caught! Touchdown, Sammy Watkins! Welcome to the Bills Liar Podcast. I'm Rob Quinn here with um, a special guest, Lorenzo Alexander. You might know him as a Pro Bowl linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. Um, how you doing today, Lorenzo? I'm doing pretty good. Cool. Uh, had a football game this morning that we lost, so uh, just kind of recovering from that. But other than that, I mean, it was good. You lost? Yeah, we lost. I mean, it was my son's team. I, I'm at oh. you know, they six and seven, so I'm coaching and helping coach the team. Okay, so we we uh, have a pretty special show today, considering it's the NFL draft. So maybe you know the young Alexander might be a future draft pick for the Bills to keep helping out. Um, I, I, I see a Redskins poster in the background. What's that all about? Uh, that is about my capital punishment. You know, I played for seventeen throughout my career, so uh, just because I, I'm, I'm on a new team, don't mean I rip everything down. I still have wrestling jerseys. I have my Buffalo Bills jerseys, Raiders stuff. Uh, so uh, this is part of being in the NFL and being as, playing as long as I've had. I've been in different places. The person you see behind me is Kenny Ghostly. Anyway, that's my best friend, and that's his joint. Okay, well, make sure to get you a Bills poster soon in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so talking about the NFL draft, uh, obviously you are in a unique situation. You know, um, coming out of high school, you were really highly touted as a recruit. I think, I believe most places that you was a four or five star guy, and you went to Cal where you played defensive tackle. Is that correct? Yep. And um, I was reading a little bit of the scouting reports on you and all that, and a lot of people had you as a mid round draft pick. So, um, you hear a lot of these throughout the draft process yeah. where guys are going first round, third round, seventh round, but nobody really knows until it actually happens. So yeah. um, what was your draft process like, uh, meeting with teams, uh, what they really told you about where they were taking you? Right. I mean, you know, my draft process was uh, probably boring compared to most people. I think uh, – Especially when I was coming out, you, you knew what you was going to get out of me. You know, I was a big D-tackle, but they run very well. I didn't have any character issues. So I really didn't even have too many interviews or meetings with teams um, outside of when I was at the Senior Bowl and when I went to the Combine, you know, talking to people in passing. So I didn't take any visits. Um, didn't even have any of those intensive interviews that you see most guys do at the Combine. Uh, so it was kind of boring. Uh, but like you said, I was like a, a big uh, – Draft guy, three, four, five, somewhere in there. But uh, like you said, you really never know. Because the teams that may fall in love with you or really like you or may want to take you there may not de- need a defensive lineman or a linebacker or anybody of that sort at, the, at that time when they're drafting. So it's, sometimes it's a crapshoot, you know, what teams like you and how the board falls when it's your time to get drafted. Yeah, okay. And I saw that you tweeted um, yesterday that you had, somebody had told you that if you were there in the fourth round, that they were going to take you there or something like that? Um, I don't know if it was the fourth round. I think it was more like the sixth, fifth or sixth round. They had called me and said, you know, uh, if you sit on the board with our next pick, we're going to take you. And uh, they end up taking another defensive lineman. So, uh, I mean, it happens. You know, uh, you know, when yeah. in that war room and they're going back and forth, he may feel another thing. And then somebody who has a little bit more 
pull of power in that room comes up and say, no, nah, we're taking this guy. And that's how it falls. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so what did you do on draft day? You know, did you think that you were going to be taken in yeah, the middle I grounds? Or? Yeah, I thought I was going to be taken. I, mean, I had my friends and family over at my, my uh, uncle's house, and we just kind of hanging out, eating, just kind of watching it. And, uh, you know, obviously I didn't get drafted, so it was very disappointing and uh, a little embarrassing in the system. You got all these people over here expecting something, and it doesn't happen. But uh, it definitely made, made for a better uh, – story as far as, you know, 13 years later, I'm still in the league, uh, playing pretty well and uh, have made my mark in this league on special teams and now trying to do it on defense. Yeah, that has to be a big chip on your shoulder, you know, going undrafted. And uh, is that something that really drives you still today? To... Um, I think initially, I mean, I'm over. I mean, that was 13 years ago. So it's nothing that continues to motivate me. I found ways to become self-motivated and, uh, just continue to push and find other things that are not artificially created. I mean, because what happens when you're at the top and you've got all this money or you're the starter, how do you motivate yourself then? So, you know, I play for my personal pride. I play for my God. I play for my family. Things that I know is going to be there and uh, solidify no matter what is going around for, uh, around me at the time. Okay. Now, I did listen to your uh, Capital Punishment podcast today, and you seem pretty knowledgeable about the Bills uh first couple picks um what do you think about the guys that they brought in you know Tredavious White the cornerback and Zay Jones the wide receiver yeah uh, what were your yeah. initial thoughts when you saw them did you watch them beforehand or did you kind of just Who's see kind of watching the catching up as, as guys who brought to read up um I definitely like the picks uh solid guys um you know obviously Zay, Zay has some uh pedigree in the league because you know his dad playing his uncle playing his league so he knows what being in the NFL is all about so he knows what to expect and he's going to be probably be a little bit more mature have a little bit more better understanding of football and what to expect and you expect a guy like that to kind of walk in and not maybe have some of the hiccups or some rookies you have you know Javion White is another high character guy he might not have been the best corner because I know we had like a tick pick and we could have maybe took uh who's the kid's name Lattimore maybe um, yeah that may you know may have been athletically and you know grade wise might have been better but as far as character and athleticism I don't think it's a better guy than Trey that was in that draft and I think he really is a uh, a great pick that exemplifies what Sean McDermott is trying to do bringing guys with high character but also in a competitive game at a high level and he's very versatile. I mean, he can play outside, he can play inside, he can blitz. Um, he's a physical guy, and uh, you know the best thing about him is that he has he's humble and has a great head on his shoulders. Gonna come in and work hard regardless of him being the first pick. Yeah, you know that really does seem to be the theme of the whole draft. Even watching uh, days two and three is Sean McDermott's emphasis on character. Now the linebackers that they took, uh, Matt Milano out of Boston College, and Tanner Vallejo out of Boise State. Now, these guys are kind of undersized guys, and they're late-round picks. So they might be in a situation similar to what you were in when you – well, not when you entered the league because you were a defensive line. But um, having two young linebackers like that that are late-round picks and probably not going to start immediately, um, but you being the leader on the team, uh, what do you expect to do with these guys and kind of – do you want to take a mentorship role? And Of course. Uh, anybody that bring in that room, uh, definitely going to just teach them how to be a professional, you know, regardless of what position they're going to play, Sam, Will, or Mike. Uh, just teach them how to be a pro, how to show up the weight every day, take care of their bodies, how to coach the game, how to be active in the community. Um, you know, because you, you have to, in order to be on the field and win, you have to win 
every day off the field. Lift the weights, taking care of yourself, uh, being available uh, so that when it is your time to shine the field, you're there and you're knowledgeable and you go out there and play fast. But I really tell these guys that if they want to make this team, um, and this, this includes myself, you have to be a dominant force on special teams. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes when you're that late one guy or you've been put in the box, you know, ah, he may make it. That fifth linebacker, you know, that sixth or seventh receiver, uh, that third or fourth running back, they make the team because they make an impact on special teams. And Danny Crawford has been through, what, three head coaches now in Buffalo? So that's a guy that's going to have a lot of uh, pull as far as I need this guy because Sean McDermott puts a lot of value on special teams, and that's why he keeps a, a guy around like Danny Crawford. So that needs to be their, their new best friend. And uh, that's also an area that I will definitely be helping those guys out as well so that they can transition and, and help us win games next year. Yeah. Now, um, both of these guys, they're, they're under 230 pounds. Um, being a linebacker yourself, how do you see the position kind of evolving, um, bringing the speed in? Yeah. It's, it's really interesting that these a couple years ago they'd be safeties, you'd think. And well, now yeah, they're. I've been in the league and see the transition. You know, when I first got in the league in, in 2005, it was a more of a two backs uh, offensive schemes, a lot of leads and powers down here. You had the fullback, you know, like a Lorenzo Neal, who's like a Hall of Fame caliber. With more of that mindset, because you had to have bigger linebackers that was going to come down and thump these guys and, and be able to blow up a hole and set the end. Uh, nowadays, the game is definitely become more spread out. Um, especially in all the division, we say Tom Brady, we're going to come out and 12 personnel or even 21 sometimes and go empty. We got to have guys that can be able to cover and go out in space and make plays. So guys have definitely gotten smaller uh, because the game has become a, less about thumping and more about being athletic and being able to cover and be versatile in many different sets, whether you're coming off the edge, playing off the ball, blitzing, you got to be able to do everything. And, and, ten, and, and the guys that are more athletic are to have a little bit more success doing those things. Yeah. Now, uh, I know you don't want to give away any of the trade secrets here, but speaking with Coach McDermott, now, um, what do you see your role being with the team going forward? I know you said a little bit of Sam or the Thomas Davis role, but he played both sides. So, yeah. you know, you think you'll be playing more nickel or more base now that you have some speed there? Um, you know, really I know the nickel – I think it's, it's week to week. I mean, it, it, you can't say you're one thing, just play one thing if, if each team is a little bit different because Miami's different than what uh, the Jets are going to do and the Jets are totally different than what the Patriots are going to do versus what we're going to see when we play Oakland Raiders and Derek Carr. So each week you have your personnel, you have your, your core uh, uh, coverages, your core blitzes, but then based on that week and how matchups are, you may be more on a base. You may be more in a nickel front. We may have six DBs on the field one one time. We may have five or six linebackers. It just depends on the matchups and the guys that can, can show the coaches that they can operate in different positions and do it at a high level. And that's kind of how I'll be used again. You know, sometimes I'll be on the ball and look like what we did last year in the 3-4 system. Sometimes I'll be off in a more of a 4-3 traditional uh, starting position. And sometimes I'll be moving around, doing my third down thing, moving around, blitzing, covering, and mixing things up. And I think that's what they want to be able to do. Obviously, we're going to keep it simpler this year and have our a select few things that we do very well at a high level and just mix and match them depending on who we're playing that week and where we can find their weaknesses and try to exploit them that way. Um, but outside of that, you know, you never can be one thing in, in today's NFL because offenses are too good for you just to be stagnant and just sitting there in one place. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, I know Jerry Hughes had had talked and said that you're going to play to your strengths and really be more of a four three, uh, and traditionally, um, how how different. You don't have to answer this, but was there a lot more confusion with the amount of adjustments under Ryan's defense than there, it seems to be with Coach McDermott's? No, I think we further uh, talking about Jerry. Jerry and Shaq are more of hand the dirt type of linebackers or, you know, guys that love to rush. They're more defensive ends. Mm -hmm. Because that transition is hard. I make him do it, but it takes time. And in, it, in the league, especially in today's time, you don't necessarily have time to – go through every single look and, and do everything, single thing each and every week to get a guy that they feel comfortable going out there uh, to produce. And those guys are naturally more of a rush, you know, stop the run with the hand in the dirt. So that's what they're going to do this year because that's what they're great at doing. So we're going to put those guys in a position to where they make most of their plays. And I think we tried to do that towards the end of the, the year last year where I was more of an off-the-ball guy dropping in coverage just because I've done it a lot more, and those guys with it had their hand in dirt in 4-3, and I, and I think you start to see a little bit more production uh, from all of us uh, once we started doing that. So that's what it's all about. And I think great coaches realize that, and they try to figure out the best way to make their scheme fit their players versus their players fit their scheme. And uh, that's what Sean is going to do, Leslie, uh, especially from a defense perspective. So that's what I've seen so far, and, I, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a big big talking point when it came to your free agency and people didn't realize how much off the ball you actually played towards the end of the year. They're like, oh, he's a pass rusher and he's never going to be able to do this. He's thirty four years old and he's slow and this and that. But when you turn on the film, you see you're playing that Sam. You're you're running right with the best of the tight ends. So I really I think. This year, that you still can surprise people. You might not get yeah. those 12 and a half sacks, no, but I think that you're going to. It's going to yeah. be different production because I'll be off the ball. Uh, so I may not have as many rushes, so I may not have as many sacks, but it's not about you know the sexy stats. The only stat mm -hmm. that matters is the W's and getting to the playoffs and playing for a championship. Like you said, I'm 34, so there ain't too many more seasons left in this tank. And I'm trying to get it all out and get it uh, get there as quick as possible. So that means playing off the ball and having 130 tackles this year and five or six sacks. Hey, I'm gonna take that. That's production. Right. And, and everybody else is stepping up because I know with Jerry now playing with his hand hurt this year, he's gonna have a big season, double digit sack season, because uh, he doesn't have to worry about standing up and having to worry about pass coverage as well. He can focus on what he's great at. It's the same thing for Shaq as well. Gonna see his yeah, I don't know if you saw his his film with under uh Coach Jim Schwartz, but that in that role he was a yeah. monster. So yeah, I, I remember him. I was like, "Who is this dude?" He kind of came out of nowhere when he came over from uh, Indy and mm -hmm. he, uh, exploded that year. I think he really had like uh, fourteen or fifteen sacks or something crazy, and it was kind of out of nowhere. So I know what he has. And last year he did the same thing. I was the benefactor of a lot of them because he would move the guy off the spot, and I was mm -hmm. getting the guy down. So. It's not like Jerry didn't have great production. He just didn't get the, the stat by his line. He still had a, a ton of rushes and hurries and getting moving guys off the spot that allowed other guys to produce last year. Yeah, and that's that's what I loved about this this front seven is it seems like you guys really are gel together um, yeah. and work off of each other. So it'll be really exciting to see how not only you guys are used, but the rookies as well. But I uh, just want to thank you for coming on, giving some insight as always. You've always been gracious to the Bills Wire, uh, giving your opinions and everything. So just uh, thanks for coming on. Good luck this season. Hope 
maybe we'll talk to you again during the preseason or before the year starts and see how everything's going. All right, brother. Sounds good. Man. Uh, once again, you want to just tell our listeners what, what's, your, what's the name of your podcast so they could all subscribe and listen? Yeah, the name of the podcast is Capital Punishment. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, we're also on SoundCloud. And I do that with my uh, my old teammate, really like my brother, uh, Kevin Boston, who's currently a free agent. Um, on Twitter, it's at Capital uh, Podcast. Um, you can find me at, at One Man Gang 97 and his at uh, Ghost of 64. So always on Twitter, tweeting to people. If you got questions, I'll hit you back. And uh, I'm never afraid to call somebody out that's talking crazy either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Lorenzo. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother.